right. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. That was an upbeat worship. Better wake everybody up, all right? Otherwise, I'm going to stick AJ on you guys, all right? <laughs> yeah, right? All right, guys. Hey, kids, you guys can go ahead and make your way to Children's Church. While they're doing that, if you guys would pray with me, please, and we'll get going. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity we have to gather, Lord, and just be able to hear your word. Lord, I pray that you just soften hearts here, Lord, that you would open ears and just allow this, Lord, to be received by whoever needs to hear it, Lord, and that you would just work in this room with us. Thank you so much, Father. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to get the big elephant out of the room. Yes, I have a mustache. Okay, we're just going to get that out of the way here. All right, no, I will not shave it because I refuse to go babyface. So, all right, but so my name's Blake. Um, I'm the youth pastor here, so all the kids get to hear me a little bit extra this week. Lucky you guys, okay? But, wow. <laughs> that was a solid boo. That wasn't like a, oh, no, we're scared boo. That was like, nod, man. Okay, but, okay, so <laughs> with today, I'm going to share, I'm going to start out sharing a little bit kind of, of where I've been lately. A little bit of, of, you guys get a little bit of insight into my life. And, it's, it's been a little weird because it's been the same probably two to three things that have been coming up in the last several weeks. It's kind of this reoccurring cycle. Those of you that have been going to the remnant for a while, you may hear us reference a Cairo circle a lot. I've, I've been kind of stuck in one of these. It's, it's things that I've been kind of dealing with and having to really face and actually just deal with, not, not just be like, oh, this, this is fine, I'll just work on this later. Like, no, these are things I have to actually work on. All right, but first, I got a quick question for you guys, all right? So before we get into the really deep stuff, all right, those of you, if you guys see the name, it's, it's I Spy. Any of you guys here remember the I Spy books? Yeah? The I Spy books? All right, the Where's Waldo books, all that fun stuff, right? It was fun as a kid. For you kids that don't know, it's like those TikTok trends where they like hide a bouncy ball on the bookshelf. Okay, same thing. Okay, but right, the whole idea of this was you you open the book. There's a page with a bunch of junk on it, and it's like, hey, find the paperclip. And you're like, where's the paperclip? Right, and you spend hours looking at it. Right? It was all about trying to find that that little thing that was hard to find. There was a list. There was constant like bright colors and distractions and everything else trying to just draw your eye away from what you were trying to find. Right? And then if you had siblings or close friends, you'd like open up a book and like everyone would search and try to find the thing. Right? But nothing was more frustrating than when you open that up, especially where's Waldo, right? Something like that. And you sit there for two hours going, right? And then your friend goes, he's right there and just walks by, right? <laughs> yeah, you guys, you guys, everyone's experienced it. It's one of the most frustrating things in your entire life, right? But... Right, all that to say, this this is going to tie in. But but for me, the the big thing that I've been kind of been been hit with lately, right? The one thing that I wasn't wanting to find, that little paper clip that was that was hard for me to see, right? Or, you know, maybe I was seeing it and I was getting distracted by everything else on the page. But the one the one thing that I've been kind of known for around the remnant, right? If you guys have been going for a while, right? It's this persona of, of the schmoozer, right? <laughs> yeah, there's already laughs, right? Some, some of you guys know, right? But my, my sort of tendency when I feel uncomfortable, my, my, my tendency when I get defensive, when I get questioned, is to just try to smooth everything over, right? 
if I get questioned, I'm just going to be like, oh, no, man, you know, like, listen, it was just this thing, it's fine, it's not a big deal. When in, even in the back of my mind, and if you're looking at the situation, you can go, that's eh, it's a pretty big deal, right? But that, that was my go-to, that is my go-to, right? I like magic, like, I, I love learning new magic tricks and doing stuff like that, right? So the idea of, the idea, yeah, the idea of an illusionist, right, that's kind of the other thing. This sort of, this swap, this sort of like, hey, you know, if you guys know anything about magic, it's all about distraction, right? Hey, look at this hand while this hand's doing something behind my back and you don't notice. That's how I've lived a lot of my life. Is, hey, look over here, right? Please don't look at behind the curtain because I'm doing stuff that you're not allowed to see, right? It's not, it's not always just sin things. It's, it's things that I've <clears throat> gotten defensive of. Things that when they come up, that part of me panics and I get really bad anxiety and I just don't like to admit that I get anxious. So I just go, hey, everything's fine. Right? That's the schmoozer. I went back and, and I, I don't remember how it came up or whatever, but a, a couple years ago we did, um, might have been three years ago, I don't remember now, we did the Perspectives series, right, where a bunch of us kind of um, came up and we all gave a message that were somewhat similar and tied in together, but, right, it was, it was, it was different ones of us. And I, and I started listening to it, and Todd kind of gave me an introduction as he came in, and he, he brought up how the first time he met me, right, I was like all smiley, and he's like, this guy's handsome, right, he smells good, he's got nice hair, all this fun stuff, right, and he, if, if you ask him, right, and there was something off about me, it wasn't bad, right, but you could just, you, if anyone who knew me could just look at me and go like, it's a good guy, nice guy, but there's something there, almost like, a, like, what's he hiding, like, it's almost too good type of thing, right, and so, this whole idea of the illusionist, the, the, the sort of mask, the, the hiding, right, the defensiveness, was kind of shown in, in another area. Right? So, so here at the church, we, we have a really intensive men's group called Lionheart. Okay, you, I, AJ's wearing a shirt up, up here, right? And it's, it's very intense. But part of it is, you know, it's all just a trick to do what God's telling you to do, but we're supposed to read, read every day and journal and study the Bible and all that good stuff. So I've been reading through the book of John, um, and I came to the story of, it, it's towards the end of John chapter 18, and it's when Jesus gets taken by the Romans, and the, the interesting part is, is Peter, right, follows Jesus in, right? Jesus is getting taken in by the Romans, and Peter follows him in, right? And so what happens here is pretty interesting, all right? So if you guys have your Bibles, okay, uh, open to John 18, we'll start at verse 17, right. When you got it, say you got it. Thanks, Andy. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I know, that's what I was waiting for. Someone be like, hey, it's already up there. You can go. All right, but hey, so, okay, so verse 17, um, we're going to jump a little bit, so stick with me, but it, it'll make sense. Okay, so John 18, verse 17. Then the servant girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. So Peter follows Jesus in the Romans inn, 
And the slave girl that's working the door goes, hey, are you, are you with that guy that was just taken in? And Peter goes, no. Right? And then verse 18. Now the, the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. So they were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them. Right? So right here. So the Roman officials, the Roman servants, the Romans had built a fire because we're assuming at this point it was cold, right, at some point, and they were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was with them. Peter, Jesus' disciple, right, the one that he called the rock the church was going to be built on, was standing with the Roman officials who we know in hindsight was, were about to crucify Jesus, about to kill him, right, and then we're going to jump down to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. So we have the second time, right, that Peter denies knowing Jesus. And then <clears throat> moving on. Now th this is the interesting part. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Peter denied it again. Immediately a rooster crowed, right? So a couple interesting things here. One, the rooster crowing, Jesus predicted that would happen. He told Simon Peter, you're going to deny me three times, and a rooster's going to crow. So that happened. The very interesting part, if you go back to verse 26 real quick, one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So when the Romans came to take Jesus, Peter drew his sword and chopped a dude's ear off, right? So this is the same guy who denied him, chopped a dude's ear off. Jesus is like, whoa, hold on, can't do that, right? But it's, it's, it's funny how this works. A relative of the man who's now earless is like, hey, aren't you the guy that like, he goes, no. <laughs> right? Here's the thing. So when I read this verse or these verses, right, my first thought, if I'm being entirely honest, was almost this sort of stereotypical thought. Well, how could Peter? Could Peter really deny Jesus? He Jesus even told him he was going to deny him, and he still did it. This man walked with Jesus. This man saw miracles. Crazy things that, like, yeah, we read about, but have you ever put yourself there? You're rowing across the sea in the middle of the storm, and just a ghost starts walking across the waves, like, hey, come walk to me. And you're like, well, I'm walking on water now. Brought a man back to life. Jesus brought a man back to life before he died friend Lazarus. He saw a little bit of food feed thousands. He saw Jesus heal the blind, the sick, the lame. And still he goes, no, nah, I'm not with that guy. The same guy who literally probably hours before had just cut a man's ear off for Jesus to defend him. Hours later he's like, nah, I don't know him. And so then my mind started to think, what happened between the moment of Peter chopping a man's ear off and denying that he even knew Jesus? I'm not that guy. I'm not one of his. What happened in the middle of that? Life gets in the way so much. There's so much junk in life. There's so much junk, and there's going to be junk. That's part of, that's part of our time here on earth is there's going to be junk in the way. And 
you know, I talked about me and like this sort of idea of like a magician, illusionist, right? Look over here, don't look back here, whatever that is. A lot of times I'm just using junk. I fill my life with junk. The things that don't actually matter, I let take up my time, my thoughts. I waste time looking for and pursuing things that at the end of the day, not only do they not really matter, but do they, they don't even benefit me. They really don't. And if we're all honest, we, we've had those moments where we get that thing, whatever that thing is, right? You're saving up for a new car, a house. Uh, you're looking to get married. You're looking for the new gaming console, whatever it is, right? The new phone. And then we get that thing and we go, cool, and we move on. You look for that new, that new job, that promotion at work. You get excited. You, work, you bust your butt for months, and then you get it and you go, well, the office is about three feet larger. And that's all you get. We're left empty and with things that are meaningless in the grand scheme of life. And the scary part about that is our life on this earth is finite. That means it ends. Hopefully, later rather than sooner, right, for some of us. But the gift that's waiting for us is pretty amazing. Right? But our life is only this big. Right? It's only that big. And it gets messy. We've, we fill it with junk, right? The interesting thing about some of the junk that we fill it with is some of that stuff can almost be useful. It can be fun. It can be exciting. It may not even necessarily go against what God's called us to do. Right? And so when I was thinking about the idea of like the I Spy books and all this stuff and how it all ties in with what Peter did, right? Any of you guys, okay, currently have a junk drawer in your house. And it's just like, I don't know what this is or where this goes, and it goes in the junk drawer, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Remnant House, guys, we have a nice little sauce drawer, right? All, all the leftover sauces from all of our fast food and takeout, right? But, okay, so I was, <laughs> I was this idea of the junk drawer. And I, I remember as a little kid, Right? My mama, she was my great-grandmother. My family's from the south, even though I was raised in, raised in the north. Right? But my family's from the south, so my mama had a, she, she, she had a junk drawer. And the crazy part is, is, as a kid, whatever you wanted was in the junk drawer. Right? You guys have, like, you know, I, I don't know if it's more of a southern thing, right? but like for me, like southern grandmas like have a junk drawer that just literally has magical toys in it. Right? And I, I remembered as a kid, I was fascinated by this one object, right? And it, as a kid, it was whatever I needed it to be. It was a gun when we were, you know, when we were playing soldiers. It was a catapult to launch things across the room. It was something to hit my siblings with when they made me mad. But now that I'm an adult and I look back, you, you want to know what this magic item actually was? It was a shoehorn. <laughs> Spent hours playing with that thing, okay? But, right, so this idea of a junk drawer, that's what we fill our life with. 
We fill it with, all, with everything, all the, the necessities, right? Because those junk drawers, they can have tape. There's super glue. There's random screws that you're like, yeah, this is probably going to come in handy someday. But there's also stuff in there that you're never going to use. Bottle caps from 10 years ago. Unless they're super fancy Coke bottles, they're not worth anything. Right? It's filled with everything. And so then I was thinking more about Peter. In his life, in his, in his junk drawer, there was something that was so big. Something that was in the way so much that he couldn't even see the, Jesus, the man he had walked with. I mean, we could take guesses on what that is, but at the end of the day, it's, he either lacked faith or he was prideful. Probably a little of both. Because right? in that moment, he cared more about the effects saying yes was going to have on him than he did anything else. And so this idea of Peter, right, and that thought, right, if you go, how could Peter do that? How could he? And then this, this next verse came to mind. It's Matthew chapter 7. We'll start, we'll start right at verse 1. Give you guys a second, but it's already on the screen. All right, so you guys have probably heard this one before, okay? So this is one of those times, don't just assume you understand. Right? Act like you're reading this for the very first time. Listen to the words. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For with the judgment you use, you will be judged. And with the, me with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if we stop right there, that alone is scary enough. When you look at someone and you go, well, what they just did isn't good enough. What they just did is too bad. What they just did is this. What they just did is whatever. That's the standard that you should be judged by. With, with, without Jesus, the standard that we put on others is the standard that we're judging ourselves by. Those two verses alone, mic drop, walk off the stage, and just call it a day, right? Do you want to be judged by the standard you put on others? If you're being really honest, when you're scrolling through Facebook or you're out driving or you're at, or you're at Walmart and you see that person, you go, oh, man, like that's, that's not a good person. Is that, the, is that what you want to be judged by? And then when we move on, verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your other eye. Hypocrite, first take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Again, this is probably a verse we've all heard or, or we've at least heard referenced at some point in our lives, right? Take the speck out of your own eye. Take the splinter out of your own before, right? More than likely, we've, we've all at least heard it referenced. The really interesting thing about this, right? Because this is the very beginning of chapter 7. And right before chapter 7 comes chapter 6. 
This is still Jesus speaking. He speaks through all of this, right? But right before this, at the end of chapter six, Jesus is talking about not being anxious. Have, have no worries, right? God takes care of the birds and the lilies in the field. Don't worry about tomorrow. It has enough worries of its own. He's talking about all these things. And then he immediately goes, hey, uh, don't be judging people. Why, why would he go from anxiety, being anxious, don't worry, to talking about judgment and the standards we put on people? Because if we're really honest, okay, and this is, this is kind of going back to, to where I'm at, right? It is more anxiety-causing to try to cover up the truth and cover up everything else than it is to just accept it. Trying to cover up all of our stuff and constantly trying to find fault in someone else constantly either causes us to do something out of anxiety and worry or makes us anxious and worried. Because we're always trying to, well, if, if, if they see this, they, they won't like me then, or that person did this, so I don't, I, I don't know if I can. There's constant worry there. There's constant fear. Trying to always find that thing in someone else causes a ton of anxiety for so many reasons. Because again, because even subconsciously, we have that standard. Well, they are not good enough because they did this. We treat life in general, but especially as, as believers, as, a body, as the body of Christ, it's like a giant game of I spy. Except we're playing with each other's junk drawers. How much are you willing to open up your junk drawer and let someone look in? How much are you trying to look in theirs? And so in, in, my, in my opinion, when I was thinking about this, there's, <clears throat> there's really about four ways that we like to play this game. So I got a list for you guys. I came prepared this time. Okay. So the I spy game. Okay, the, the first way that, that we like to play this, right, this game that we play among Christians is we race to find their flaws. Everyone's racing, trying to f- dig through someone else's junk drawer, trying to find the thing that goes, ah, I got him. Especially before they find yours. Because as long as I can find their fault before they find mine, I'm good. A lot of times we, we do this, again, out of fear or anxiety because we're trying to, whether, again, intentional or not, and this is where you got to check your own heart. Are you trying to give yourself a step above this person? Are you trying to give yourself a power over this person? Or do you feel like they have, they have something over you so you gotta make sure you can pull them down to where, at least where you're at? We race to try to find that chewed up piece of gum in their junk drawer before they find ours. We're trying to find theirs before they find ours. 
The second way we play the game is we look for their big one. Whatever that is. What's the big thing, the big hulking mess that's in there, right? It's usually in a junk drawer, typically that old ball of string that like you can't even use because there's like 50 million knots in it, right? But what's that big thing? And we do that for a few reasons. It makes our big thing feel smaller. Because if we can compare, if theirs is just a little bit bigger than ours, if their mistake is just a little bit more costly than ours was, it brings them down a peg, right? We've all done that. And we tell ourselves that everyone has one, and it's impossible, right? If my junk drawer is filled with bottle caps, it's impossible Greg doesn't have at least one bottle cap. It's impossible. There's a story of a guy here, and we were talking about, um, in men's group, right, one, gentlemen, if we're going to be honest, like one thing we, we really struggle with is lust, and inside of lust is porn, right? So we were talking about porn in, in men's group, and how do we battle it, and how do we fight it, and what's that look like? And there was one guy who admitted, he's like, guys, I'm going to be honest, I don't really struggle with porn. He said, I'll admit, you know, like, I, I struggle with lust, right? Like, that's almost natural. That's part of us as humans. He said, but porn is not really a big thing for me. And you would not believe how many Christian men in that room looked at him and nearly called him a liar. Why is that? Why did a room full of Christian men not believe that it's possible, or not, yeah, not believe that it's possible to not struggle with porn? Because in that moment, every guy in there was going, well, I struggle with this. I, I have this in my junk drawer. It's impossible for you not to. We're so focused on what, what everyone else, what that gross thing in their junk drawer is, we're not focusing on ours. The third way we play the I Spy game is we distract with all of the junk. And these are the distractions we use so we don't have to look for the actual thing we need to. The things that you fill your life with that you know, God's calling me to fix this. But you go, ah, I don't know if that works for me right now. I'd rather try to untangle this ball of yarn. It's that misdirection. I don't want to look at this, so I'm going to work on this. I'm going to fix this thing. It can be the illusion items that make us look and feel better about ourselves. Well, I drive a nice car. I have nice clothes. I have a nice house. Yeah, but is your marriage nice? How's your, how's your worship? Do you worship God with what you do? Do you read his word? Do you pray? Do you talk to him? Cool, you're successful. Success doesn't get you into heaven. The distraction can also be the defensiveness and the selfish thought process. Yeah, I may, I may sin, but look, I gave the church $5,000 this month. Yeah, I sin, but... Look at, look at how many times I've, I've cleaned the toilets at the church. 
Look at all the good things I do. I stopped and gave the homeless man $20. But when your brother came to you crying, did you take time to actually talk to him? When you get the call in the middle of the night, it says, I need help, whatever's happening, did you pick up or did you silence it because you got work in the morning? And the other thing about the distractions, it can, it can be the, the things that are kind of it. And this is where I struggle. The things that are kind of on the outskirts of what we're supposed to work on. If I'm trying to take all the string out of my junk drawer, I'm going to go, well, I'm going to take all the yarn out. Look at all the yarn I took out. But there's still string. What's that thing that you, you kind of let people speak into, you kind of bring up, you kind of want to work on, but you don't go all the way. What's that thing? Yeah, maybe you admit that you, you, you have a couple extra drinks when maybe you shouldn't. But did you admit that for the past four weekends you've been so drunk you passed out and fell asleep and maybe even did something dumb? And the last way that we play the game is we make ourselves the hidden object. This is where Peter comes in. We, we, we can either hide ourselves among everybody else or we can try to hide from, from God. We, we can try to shove something to the back, of the, back, the back of the junk drawer and go, no, 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 don't look at that. We can hide from the world and the people that care about us. Again, that's, that's one of my tendencies. That's part of that schmoozer I was talking about. I'll smooth everything over. I'll convince you that I'm okay. I will convince you till my dying breath that I'm okay as long as you don't try to just, just stay there. And that's my struggle. And when we talked about Peter... Peter hid from the fact that he even knew who Jesus was. Like I, like I said, he cut a man's ear off, and then probably hours later, was like, I don't know that guy. There's probably still blood on the blade of his sword. <laughs> so that's how we play the game. But it doesn't end there. So, double prepared. I got a second list for you guys. Yeah. Okay. So, how do we get out of the junk drawer? Getting out of the junk drawer. Very first one. Worry about yourself. Worry about your relationship with God. Okay. Before you get all offended, <gasps> he said, worry about myself. Aren't we supposed to love others? Yes. However, Jesus is worried about what you are doing to follow him. He's not worried in that moment about what the guy next to you or the lady next to you is doing in their walk. He's worried about you and your walk. What are you doing? What is Jesus calling you to do? What is he calling you to give up? What is he calling you to deny yourself in?
And it's funny because Jesus said the greatest commandment is what? Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. But he also said, and the second part, focus on loving others. How many times that, that, that section of scripture alone, we, we've heard that so many times, especially here at Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love others as yourself. How many times do we have to hear the the same scripture, the same words from Jesus' mouth before we actually listen to them? We were talking in our pre-service meeting before this, and it's funny, the Bible is finished. It's finite. There's only so many words in that Bible. That's it. That's what God gave us. There may be a new way to present it, or you can make new connections, but the words are it. God put those words in the Bible, and that's it. I know, you know, there's, there's really cool people who have read the, they read the Bible every year, front to back. For me, that would, I, I read like half of a book, and I don't finish it, and I'm like, oh, I can never start that again. There's so, there are only so many words in the Bible. Listen when they're read. And for some of you, loving others can mean different things. Right? What do you struggle with? For some of you, loving others may mean sharing your burdens, like Galatians 6 talks about. Part of loving each other means we're going we're gonna to help each other. But in order to receive help, you've got to go, I need help. For you, loving others may be allowing them that opportunity to help you and love you. And, uh, and, but there's also the other side. That may mean allowing yourself to be taken advantage of. The possibility that that may happen. Because you really think Jesus didn't do that? You really think Jesus wasn't that way? How many times did he walk into a city and get mobbed? He knew it was going to happen. Jesus was fully God, fully man. He knew this horrible thing, whatever it is, he was going to be crucified. He knew Judas was going to be the man to do it, and he still invited him to walk with him. You think Judas didn't take advantage of that? How many times did, are, are there verses that say Jesus wanted to go off, and he told disciples, hey, I'm going to go pray, and then along the way he gets stopped? How many times were Jesus and the disciples traveling from city to city, and Jesus goes, hey, we're going to take the really long way, like four extra days that way. He knew he was going to get taken advantage of. He knew it, and he still didn't. And you can't even do it with the possibility that you might. Love others as as yourself. When that moment comes and you don't know what to do, would you want someone to help you? Are you that person to other people? The third way, get rid of the junk. It can't be a junk drawer if there's no junk. What is Jesus asking you to give up? Carry your cross. Crucify your flesh. That means those desires that we know are not from God, 
we're not just giving them up, but we're going, I want nothing to do with that. And a lot of times we, we get that twisted, and this is, where, this is where I mess up too, and I go, well, I don't want that. And then I do it, and I go, well, that means I must want it. It's not true. What are the areas that are not of God that he tells you, hey, don't do this, that you're still doing it? Willingly. What are the areas of your life that God goes, hey, you should be doing this, and you go, uh, I don't feel like reading today. You can't read one verse. You can't read God's literal words for you. You can't pray to him for 30 seconds in the morning when you wake up and go, God, I have nothing else. Thank you for allowing me to wake up another day. Because unfortunately, there's going to come a day where you don't. What have you put in front of yourself that's distracting you and stopping you from getting to Jesus? We like to blame other people, right? We, we like to blame others, but what have you put in front of yourself what, to trip over, to stumble over? What do you keep putting there even though you know you're about to trip over it? I like to think I'm a pretty decent athlete. Not great, but I'm pretty decent. I'm not going to try to hurdle a five-foot hurdle, okay? I got long legs, but I got bad knees and hips. They, I ain't making, making it over that, okay? I'm not going to put it in front of me if I'm trying to run, run a race. Why would I even allow myself to trip over that? What's the junk that you need to get rid of? And the last way. Stand out. The I Spy books were a lot easier if they were all black and white and then like the little screwdriver in the corner is bright red. Right? Stand out. We are called as believers, as Christians, to be different. The world is black and white. The world is sad and dreary and miserable. That is not who we are called to be. That's not who you should be. The miracle that Jesus has given us is so amazing. You should be the bright red bouncy ball in the middle of a sea of black, a sea of misery. We are called to be different. You are different. God made you different. We are, we, we are a royal priesthood. That's a pretty special saying. We have been set apart from the world. You are co-heirs with Christ. That means Jesus, you. In God's eyes, you are there with him. We are not the same as the world. Quit living like it. The world wants to chill in their junk drawer and blend in with all the crap that's in there. You should not. God's people are set apart. We are different. Mandy's going to come up and play some music. And, and here, in just a few minutes, you guys are going to have an opportunity. You guys are going to have an opportunity to come up and ask. Ask for help cleaning out your junk drawer. 
Because if you guys have ever tried to clean out your junk drawer, it's not always easy. There's a lot of junk in there. You know, I don't know what to do with half this. But the amazing thing about God is we're set apart, right? But we don't have to do that on our own. We don't have to be the single beacon in a gray sea. It's not, we, it's not you're God's chosen person. We're God's chosen people. And that's the amazing thing, is that he knew how dirty your junk drawer was going to get. He knew how much junk you were going to throw in there. He knew what junk you were going to throw in there, when you were going to do it. And despite all of that, he still loves you enough to give you a way to make it to him. Because the only way to be with God is to be perfect. God is perfect. He can't be with something that's not. The expectation is for you to be perfect. Not be better than someone else, not be good, perfection. But guess what? We can't do it. You cannot be perfect. You can't. So how does that make sense? If, if the only way to be with God is to be perfect, but there's no possible way I can be perfect, how does that? He made a way. He sent his son, fully God, fully man. Jesus Christ came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. Jesus was perfect. And Jesus did exist, period. Roman historians, historians that would actually hate Christians have said it, it, it all happened. Jesus was a man, he was alive, he died on the cross and he rose again after three days. Those are facts. And so what God did is he gave us a perfect person. God gave us perfection on earth for two reasons. One, to show us, to show us the way. Jesus says, I am the way. The only way to get to God is through Jesus. He says, I am the truth. The only truth in this world is God, is following Jesus. That's the only truth you're ever gonna get. Here's the thing, when your time on this earth ends, eternity doesn't end. We are eternal beings. You are meant to live for eternity. The scary part is there's two possible outcomes. You deny Christ, you deny God, deny who he is, and you spend eternity in hell, a complete and utter separation from God. Or when you accept Jesus Christ, when this earth, earthly body fails and we end here, we get to live eternity in heaven with God. We get to live in perfection. You may never be perfect here on this earth. You won't be. Sorry to tell you, no matter how good you think you are, you're not gonna be perfect. But, there's an opportunity. When you accept Jesus Christ, you will be made perfect. Because there's a transaction that happens. We've racked up a bill that's so large we can never pay it. Nothing, no amount of good deeds we could ever do will ever be able to cover the amount of bad things we've done and the amount of sin that we do. 
When Jesus died on that cross, something amazing happened. He took your dirtiness. He took all your junk out of the junk drawer, said, I got you. You're left with perfection. He gave us his perfect life and took our junk. The Bible says you only need to do two things to accept Jesus Christ. It's believe it in your heart. You have to actually believe it and confess it with your lips. That means you gotta say it. You believe it and you say it and you will be saved. And once you are his, nothing you could ever do, nothing you have ever done, nothing you ever will do or are doing could ever take you away from that. You guys have an opportunity here today. Are you ready to clean out your, your junk drawer? Are you ready to look past all of that garbage? God tells you who you are, royal priesthood, princes, princesses, his sons, his daughters. He doesn't like when you're rolling around in the mud because that's not who he made you to be. He made you to be different. Take that opportunity here today. There's gonna be people up here who want to pray for you. No, you don't need them. But are you willing to walk forward and say, Jesus, I need you, I know you, I want to know you? Or are you gonna stand in the back warming your hands around the fire with the rest of the world? Whatever you do, we, we say it every week, but really hear this, whatever you do, don't walk out of those doors the same as you walked in. Because if you end up doing that, that's your choice. 